uh, chapter 14, verse 17. And while you're turning there, I'd like to thank our, our worship team for all of their hard work, not only today, but each Lord's Day. Uh, thanks to Paula and Christina, to Dirk, Jason, and Catherine, Liz, um, for their service for Christ. But hear God's word, Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Hear God's word. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen to this reading of God's holy and divinely inspired word. Uh, The grass withers. The flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given to us your word, that lamp unto our feet, that light unto our path to lead us to Christ. Pray that your Holy Spirit would be working in each of our hearts, Father, giving us ears to hear, hearts to follow, minds to understand. All to your glory and praise, we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In these past days and weeks, our country and many countries of the world have been seeking to survive uh, this great crisis called the coronavirus, or more properly, uh, COVID-19. The violent storm of this virus brought with it a grave sickness, a growing number of deaths, and real panic for many people, including Christians. Consider some of the responses to this great storm. Already we've seen closures of schools, universities, shuttering of businesses, social distancing, self-imposed quarantines, and even Many churches have chosen, and I believe wisely chosen, uh, to uh, cease uh, public gatherings on the Lord's Day. Uh, Many of you might be asking questions like these. Well, what's the greatest need uh, for me and my family today? And how can I be prepared when the future seems so uncertain In these days of seeming uncertainty, it's good to know that our political leaders are working hard at providing for our physical needs, protecting our health. They need our prayers. But our greatest need during this great virus storm that engulfs us is our daily need for God's peace, God's peace in Christ. If you have a Bible, um, follow along as we uh, study God's word together from Psalm 29. A great psalm, not only for today, but encourage you to meditate meditate upon it in the days ahead. It's a psalm that gives us gospel hope and peace, even in the midst of, of this great storm. Here in Psalm 29, we learn that only the Lord can give his people gospel peace in life's great storms. And so the question is, how can we know the Lord's peace? 
gospel peace in great storms. And uh, three words to help guide us here. They're the words praise and power and promises. We begin with praise there in Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2. We are are to be praising our glorious Lord. There is a a note of adoration of God, even in the midst of the storm. Uh, If you're using uh, the English Standard Version, the version we use here at uh, Hope Church, uh, three times we'll, we'll hear that command, that, that call to worship, and the word is ascribe or give. Uh, this scriptural command is communicated to this faithful congregation, and the psalm uh, bolts from the gate here on a note of worship. You know, that first note, give to the Lord, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. You know, as you're tracking with this in your own Bibles, you're going to see that that word Lord, all capital letters, speaking of Jehovah God, Yahweh, is used four times here just in the first two verses and 18 times here in Psalm 29. You know, why Lord in all capital letters? It speaks of a God as our faithful and covenant-keeping God, our infinite, eternal, and unchangeable God, and yet a God who graciously reveals himself uh, to us, his children. It's uh, the name by which God reveals himself there to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, there in the burning bush in the wilderness. Moses, who was then used of the Lord to lead God's people out of slavery, bondage to sin, lead them into the promised land. You know, that same faithful covenant-keeping God, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. It can also be understood, O sons of the mighty. I believe it best refers to the angels and and the cherubim that are even now surrounding uh, God's throne in heaven. It's a little Old Testament glimpse of of that worship that is even now taking place. We read this in God's word, Revelation chapter 7, verse 11 and following. Revelation seven eleven and all the angels were standing round the throne and round the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. You know, the Lord is, is calling uh, calling us to worship him, calling even uh, the angels, the cherubim, the seraphim, uh, to worship him. But uh, the psalmist is not done. He's only getting started. Uh, Again, in uh, Psalm 29, verse 1, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Uh, We're to worship the Lord for his, his glory and his active strength. And then for the third time in in Psalm 29, verse 2, ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due unto his name. 
You know, we're, we're always to be worshiping the Lord. You know, for his active deeds in, in history. You know, for his covenant faithfulness. For his unfailing love for us in Christ. And then the, the last command for worship there, praising our glorious God, worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. You know, we don't worship the Lord because of our holiness. You know, we're, we're all sinners. Sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ. But we worship the Lord because he is a holy God. You know, it's that same truth uh, that we find in Isaiah chapter 6. You know, that, that glorious scene of worship. Just reading a portion, Isaiah chapter 6, beginning with verse 2. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and his house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, we're we're unholy, but our gracious God... Our glorious Lord calls us into his presence to worship him. And he enables us to come into his presence by the shed blood of Christ. What are the difficult decisions uh, that our church elders made uh, this past Monday? Was supporting uh, the government guidelines about keeping public gatherings to 10 people or less for for 15 days. I believe we're in uh, day number seven. Uh, After a study of scripture and prayer, we believed it was honoring to the Lord for us to initiate uh, this brave new experiment of live streaming uh, our worship service. And uh, for any any glitches, uh, they're, they're mine. This is uh, the first time we've tried this and we're learning. But it's, it's our prayer and it's our purpose that, that here on the Lord's Day, even church family here in Opelousas and uh, maybe others might be able to uh, still to worship uh, the Lord. And that this would be a time of God-honoring and Christ-exalting worship for our own church family and for others. But as your pastor, or as a pastor, let me encourage each church member, each covenant family at Hope Presbyterian Church, don't neglect corporate and family worship during this great storm, however long it might last, however long God would choose for it to last. You know, worship the Lord for his faithfulness, for his glory, for his strength, for for his holiness. William Varner put it this way, you never know when a storm is coming, so be sure you are worshiping him 
and giving him all the glory. What better time for us to be worshiping the Lord? Praise of our glorious Lord. But then in verses 3 through 9 of Psalm 29, uh, we see the power of our great Lord. There, there is to be an awe in our hearts, uh, even during these, these storms. Uh, as you read through Psalm 29 in its entirety, it's, it's beautiful biblical language, uh, poetry, uh, that that describes a storm, and uh, if you picture it in in your mind's eye, uh, the the storm is is moving uh, across the Mediterranean Ocean. It's hitting uh, the shores north of of Israel and and Lebanon, and and then the storm is moving from north to south uh, throughout Israel. And throughout the theme, the the phrase that ties this all together is that that phrase, voice of the Lord. Uh, We'll see it seven times in in verses 3 through 9. You think about the power of God's voice, the power of God's voice at at creation, uh, speaking our world, all, all of the universe into existence. You know, the power of God's voice, even now, over seeming chaos and and sin. But follow along in God's word. Uh, We'll we'll see there first in in verse 3, there's a sovereign power to the Lord's voice. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. You know, often in Scripture, when we we hear, we read of God's voice speaking, it it sounds like thunder, and I'm thankful for that. That it's loud. You know, in these days when my my hearing is fading, you know that that God speaks loudly so that we all can clearly hear what he is communicating to us. But that thunder is not meant to crush us, but rather it's God's compassionate revelation uh, of himself. Uh, There's a scene in uh, John's gospel. uh, Towards the end of Jesus' life, Jesus is giving a a prophecy uh, about his death, his, his imminent death for our sins, Uh, On the cross, and we read this, John chapter 12, verse 28. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. You know, God speaks with his sovereign power. But secondly, there in verse 4, the first part of verse 4, we'll see God's awesome power. The voice of the Lord is, is powerful. Why is that? Because God is a powerful God. It speaks of God's omnipotence. His unfailing power. Isn't it reassuring to know that God is powerful? More powerful than than any virus. More powerful than any sickness. The voice of the Lord is powerful. 
Again, verse 4 of Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Now, it's a majestic power. It speaks of God's reign as a mighty and a merciful king. Uh, One Bible commentator put it this way, the, the king of kings speaks like a king. Verses 5 and 6, it's an aimed power. You know, God God focuses his power. Follow along uh, here in God's word. Verse 5, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. You know, it's not widespread destruction taking place here, even in the midst of the storm. The the psalmist tells us uh, that the voice of the Lord is breaking just the cedars, the cedars of Lebanon. If you know a little bit about your Bible, you'll know that the cedars of Lebanon were, uh, they were beautiful, uh, a wonderful wood used in in the construction of the temple. The cedars of Lebanon were tall, were strong, uh, were beautiful. You know, and here God's power is aimed. And unless we doubt that, uh, verse 6, he makes Lebanon skip like a calf. Syrian, another name for Mount Hermon, like an ox. You know, God, God's aimed power is not only at, at these trees, but but even at what we would consider unmovable mountains. You know, God's power is aimed. Verse 7, uh, there, there's a fire power. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire or hews out the flames of fire. Uh, again, some translations say it, it speaks of of the division of of these bolts of lightning and of thunder. You know, but when we think of the voice of the Lord as as God graciously communicating his will and his way to us in his word, you know, listen to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division, and that's the word, to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know, here we see the power of God's word. Sixth, you know, God's power is I'll call it an evangelistic power. Verse 8, you know, keep in mind the storm hit the shores of Israel, moved from north to south, and in the southern part of Judah is wilderness. You know, barren land. No one lived in the wilderness, at least for very long, or you traveled through the wilderness And yet read what scripture says, Psalm 29, verse 8, the voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. You know, why bother with wilderness? You know, it's God's presence and power, even in the most desolate and seemingly forsaken areas. 
Matthew Henry put it this way, the arousing and alarming of godless places by the preaching of the word. You know, one of my prayers during this virus is this, that God's word would be preached in the wilderness, in places like China that have been closed, largely closed to the gospel. Countries like Iran that, that have been devastated by the, this virus, that, uh, that health care workers, Christian relief agencies might go in and preach the gospel. You know, this is God's evangelistic power, even in the wilderness. And finally, verse 9, still considering God's power, it's a providential power. If you're following along, uh, it's God's sovereign power, his awesome power, majestic power, aimed power, fire power, evangelistic power. And finally, God's providential power. You know, just a wonderful picture there in verse 9. Uh, The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. I know there's different translations there. You know, but but God's power, you know, can not only move mountains, break trees, but here God's power very, very gently, you know, is at work in in this uh, deer, causing it to give birth. Safe delivery. But then again, we see God's great power in stripping the forest bare. You know, the providence of God. Our Westminster Shorter Catechism, number 11, answers that question, what is the providence of God? The answer is, his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving, and governing all his creatures and all their actions. You know, God, you know, God is a God of providence. You know, he, he knows the number of hairs on our head. He, he knows when a sparrow falls. He is not indifferent to this crisis. Not aware, not unaware, not asleep at the will. You know, as we'll see a verse later here, he's he's enthroned. And he not only has the power, uh, but as well the the gracious compassion. And so verse 9, closing here with the power of our great God and in his temple, all cry glory. Not only his temple in heaven, but, but even here. You know, in his temple, in his churches, we we're, are, are all to cry glory. I think there's only ten here where we're abiding. But, and in his temple, all cry glory. Let's give it a try. Glory. There you go. Say it at home. You know, glory in the sanctuary, glory in the storm. You know, one of our greatest hymn writers, and I would, I would encourage you uh, in these days, keep your Bible close by, uh, keep your hymn book close by. You know, one of our greatest hymn writers, uh, William Cooper, 
uh, friends with John Newton. Just uh, an amazing life story. William Cooper went through great sorrow, tragedy, struggled through all of his life with great depression. And yet he always had a gospel hope. One of the last hymns they believe that he wrote was a, a hymn he wrote in 1774 entitled, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. Let me read a few verses for us this morning. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Then the last verse. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. You know, and the application here for us is this. You know, let us never forget the Lord's great power over all his creation, over all of his children. The Lord's power is greater than, than any pandemic. You know, and that, that power of God leads to awe, to adoration. Uh, but it also, as we'll see, leads to a grateful and glad assurance of salvation. Look at the final verses. Psalm 29, verses 10 and 11. We've seen praise of, of our great God, the power of our great Lord, and now the promises of our, our gracious Lord. Uh, moving from adoration to awe now to assurance uh, of peace in the storm. Uh, I believe, not adding to scripture here, but um, using our sanctified imagination here, uh, now there's a welcome end to the storm. The the clouds are parting. Uh, There's that glimmer of the sunshine on the horizon, the sight of blue skies, a a gentle breeze in the air. Uh, There's the Lord's promise of hope and peace here. And it begins, verse 10 there, with the Lord's sure reign. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. You know, there's a security here. The Lord sits. He sits on his throne. And when we ask the question, where, where is the Lord in all of this? He, the Lord is sitting on his throne. He, he is graciously, wisely, patiently ruling and reigning over his creation. But look again, verse 29.10, the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Now, that's a word that's only used in, in Genesis chapter 6. You know, with that flood during Noah's day. And you know the story, or if not, read it again, even this afternoon. You know, why the flood? You know, and I say this carefully, yet clearly. It was God's holy judgment on unrepentant sinners. 
And God graciously warned his people. Noah faithfully built the ark, I believe, the whole time, preaching to the people around him. The Lord graciously protected Noah and his family there inside the ark. And then the rest of the story, there there was a safe deliverance. You know, God preserved and protected them, brought them through the flood. They, They were able to leave that ark. That quarantine. And uh, once again, stand on dry ground. You know, there are no random events in God's creation. All creation is under his authority. Yes, even the coronavirus is under God's authority. Seminary professor put it this way, though the storms rage... And the mountains quake. Yahweh is king. He's king now. He is king forever. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 17 puts it this way. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's First Timothy 1 17. The Lord's sure reign, that, that promise of the Lord's sure reign. You know, still thinking of God's reign, verse 10, the Lord's strength, the Lord sits enthroned as king forever. And now verse 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. Isn't that what we need today? The Lord's strength. We need his emotional strength. Uh, We need his physical strength. But most of all, we need his spiritual strength. His peace, his presence. Many of you know Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, And note again, verse 11, the Lord strengthens His people. Uh, You know, it's a focused strength. Those people whom he loves. Those people who know that they have been bought with the blood of Christ. Beloved of Christ. The Lord gives strength to his people. And finally, may the Lord bless his people with Peace. You know, what's peace? It's a relationship word, you know, a gospel relationship. God's gracious work of restoring ruined sinners into that right relationship, that peace with God through faith in Christ. And it's peace even in the storm. You know, we can pray for an end to this coronavirus. That's a God-honoring prayer. But I would encourage you as well to pray, Lord, give me peace, strength. Even in the midst of this great storm. And then in, in closing, Romans 14, verse 17. Let me read it for us again. 
For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of food and drink, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, how can I know God's peace in this great storm? We may have a a second of peace when we look at our pantries and know they're packed. Uh, We may have peace when we're safely back in our homes, doors locked. But it's another kind of peace that the Lord is talking about here, a peace that the world doesn't give, a peace the world can't take away. It's peace with God through faith in Christ. How can I know this peace? Romans 14, verse 17 tells us, but of righteousness, knowing the righteousness of Christ. Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for us, the unrighteous ones, you know, to, to bring us to God. You know, there, there's peace in Christ. The peace, gospel peace, of knowing that our sins are forgiven. We have assurance of our salvation because of the completed work of Christ. And, and Romans fourteen seventeen takes it even one step further. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the Lord calls us to. You know, even here, even now, may we know that precious, gracious gift of God's peace in Christ. Let's pray, and then we'll uh, close with the hymn. Our Father and our God, we thank you. Thank you for the unfailing promises of your word that are yea and amen in Christ. Thank you for your gift, Father, your gracious gift of peace that comes through faith in Christ. Lord, I I pray this morning for those who are struggling, overwhelmed, fearful, anxious. Lord, grant to them, to all of us, Father, that sure hope, promise of peace in Christ Jesus in whose name we pray, amen.